Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and I am here to chat with you about video games, gaming, news, speculation, and much more. This week, we'll be talking about Amazon buying EA, or not, Gamescom thoughts, PlayStation 5 price hikes, and much more. A few things before we get into the show. A quick but sincere thank you to all of my Patreon supporters and a special thank you to the producer-level patron, Hassan, for their support. If you're interested in supporting the show, my other content, and getting some perks, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please leave a review. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment down below, even if it's just to help the algorithm. Last, please join the show's Discord to chat about the show, gaming, news, sports, or whatever else you like down in the description below with the link. Gaming news, let's get into it. Amazon buys EA. One, two, three. JK. Um, okay, so if you missed this today, which if you pay attention to gaming news, you probably didn't, but uh, let's talk about it no matter what. So this morning on Friday, USA Today uh, had reporting by Good Luck Have Fun, uh, who's basically a contractor who does video game reporting for them, uh, had put out an article uh, saying that on Friday it would be announced that Amazon was purchasing EA, acquiring it. Uh, this was initially corroborated and shared by various well-known gaming news sources and journalists, as well as a bunch of scrubs like myself. Shortly after that, a CNBC reporter refuted the news, and uh, not long after that, USA Today essentially redacted the report and said uh, it was sourced from an unverified place and basically threw uh, Good Luck Have Fun completely under the bus. Uh, as of right now, I still haven't seen any word um, from EA or Amazon directly commenting on the situation. So um, this is interesting to me. So first, the story itself was wild. The idea of Amazon purchasing EA isn't completely out of the realm of believability. Amazon literally bottomless money pit, uh, you know, that they can spend on. Um They've been trying to get into the gaming sphere. Uh, they've had multiple games, you know, fail and just get shut down. Uh, I believe New World is the only game they've actually had uh, come out. And even that, um, you know, hasn't gone really well. They've uh, had some issues there. Uh, and that game, you know, kind of hit for a minute and then has kind of faded off. So the idea that they would potentially buy an EA to have, you know, to hit the easy button to get into um, some really notable franchises and to some very profitable and well-liked franchises such as uh, like Apex Legends, Battlefield, um, all, the, the, all the sports games um, and all of that stuff, as well as the maybe not recently as successful, but still well-known you know, Need for Speed and Mass Effect and Dragon Age and uh, Titanfall and, you know, everything else uh, that they have access to. 
And then, um, it, what's funny is it was corroborated. And I don't want to say corroborated, as in like just because these people retweet or something means that they are verifying the truth. Um, but it, it was funny that you know someone like me that retweets this and comments on it, not really gonna make much of a splash. But when people like Tom Henderson and stuff do, uh, and then like and Jeff Keeley and other people. Uh, and, and then later on, they try to be all kind of hoity-toity about like, oh, actually, the story was fake. What an idiot. It's like, bro, you put your name on that, too. So that's all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so that got pulled back because um, especially after the CNBC reporter. So my first reaction to that was like, what does he know that other people don't? And apparently the CNBC reporter was one of the big people um, talking about, it, I think, when uh was it disney or someone else uh, was in talks to buy ea um but andrew wilson wanted more power than they were comfortable with and ea didn't um there was something about like a voting uh like power control thing that just didn't work out so the deal fell through and apparently the cnbc reporter was like on top of that and has like direct sources in ea uh and or amazon who would have like been the people doing this deal and they were saying that it was not a thing so um yeah uh it, it seems to be pretty much debunked at this point um i will say a slight curiosity about ea and amazon not commenting at all is um related to the fact that i think when stuff like this happens there's always like a kernel of truth there's always like a little bit like this came from something. I highly doubt this good luck, have fun reporter, whoever it was, just woke up this morning and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get fired. <laughs> um, so I suspect that there is at least something to the story. There's some kernel of truth in there that, you know, maybe. Uh, there are ongoing conversations or something between Amazon and EA to do some type of sale. I wouldn't even be surprised if in the next month or two this actually happens. Um, I just think that uh, obviously uh, if if that was the case, the, the, the powers that be uh, were not ready to talk about it yet. Uh, whoever uh, informed this writer uh, maybe didn't mention that it was just like maybe beginning talks and not like they were announcing the deal today. Pretty big discrepancy there. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if if there is something to this, um, but that maybe it wasn't quite uh, ready to be put out yet. Um, because it's well known that EA, Ubisoft, Square Enix, um, a bunch of pretty big developer conglomerates and, and publishers are looking to get acquired because that's the season, right? Um, with inflation and some other stuff going on, some other financial things, it seems like that slowed down a lot because uh, like when Activision Blizzard and when some other companies were getting acquired, Bungie and so on, um, it was just um, money was cheap to borrow. And um, a lot of these companies were flush and the economy, despite COVID, was still doing fairly well. Um, but with inflation going up and some other issues, um, the war in Ukraine being a big part of it, uh, the destabilization of that um, has made companies more reluctant, I think, to do these huge deals, which this would be a gigantic deal. Right. Um, so 
the bottom line is it doesn't look like there is currently any accepted deal or anything going on. I, if I was a betting man, I would, you know, say that th there's something happening. There is some type of conversation happening between um, EA and, and Amazon, but probably EA and a bunch of people. Um, I speculated a while back that it wouldn't surprise me at all if EA and like Ubisoft would do more of like a partnership than a straight up buy of one or the other. Um, they're, they're two studios I think are in different situations in one capacity, but probably similar situations financially. Um, and I just think that Yves Guillemot is, is not looking to be, uh, you know, the, the sole basically owner and runner of that company for too much longer. Um, I think it's biggest, th their biggest issue is that I don't think Ubisoft is the most attractive company right now. Um, it has proprietary tech like Snowdrop, the Snowdrop engine. It has a bunch of really good IP under its umbrella. Um, and it's got a bunch of really good studios and a, a bunch of really good developers. Uh, but it's it's very large. Ubisoft is huge. It's 20,000 people deep. Um, and it has studios all over the world, like literally all over the world. So I just don't think, and, and, and they don't have any huge hits right now. Obviously, Siege is still trucking along. They sell lots of copies of Assassin's Creed. And I'm sure a lot of their projects are doing better than you think but they aren't doing like really well i can't even off the top of my head name you a game from ubisoft i'm like hyped about um there's a bunch of games i'm like casually interested in but there's basically nothing from ubisoft that i'm like i can't wait to play that um and so while that may not reflect on the company long term, I'm sure they'll eventually get out of this rut and make some games that are more interesting and stuff like that. As for now, that's the story. And um, so with EA, it wouldn't surprise me at all if someone buys them or if they make some big deal eventually. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Amazon buys up a company at some point, whether it's EA or someone else. I just... I, I'm, I'm questionable about that. Amazon... They, 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 it's like they want this, but they don't understand it. And like when you see like PlayStation or Xbox acquire companies, they're game companies, right? They, they, they have a platform. Um, they understand games, and while they may not always be the best shepherds of these, you know, studios they acquire, I suspect they, they're better than what Amazon would be. Amazon is very likely going to acquire some big publisher. Um, and then just be like, okay, make good games now. Um, and if that doesn't happen fairly quickly, they'll get bored and move on. Which for a friend, for a publisher like EA, with all of the legendary IP that they own, could be terrifying. It's kind of like a what, like a Konami situation, where they have like Metal Gear Solid and stuff locked up in their bowels, and no one can do anything with it because they certainly aren't. Um, especially after after what happened to Kojima, so I I'm I'm curious about this. I on one hand, EA getting bought by Amazon was like, well, if Amazon just literally wants to be the cash, if they want to stay hands off, stand back, and just pump money in and say do things the way they should be done, and let Bioware fully staff their studio, 
and let, you know, Madden take a year off between games to like actually improve the game to, you know, do a bunch of things that EA probably needs to do. Um, that could be really good. Or they will, you know, put a lot of pressure on them to pump stuff out immediately and make money. And that would probably be bad. And it would probably lead to a bunch of projects like the Mass Effect game that is in development getting cut or cut back or whatever, which would devastate me. So uh, I'm skeptical about Amazon buying anyone. Um, We're yet to really see any of these huge acquisitions really pay off in my opinion um even though that will take a you know a few years before i think that will um, pay some dividends but i don't know uh we'll we'll see so down in the comments let me know what you thought about this rumor uh what you think about if it may eventually happen or not and if you think that would be good for ea or not in the long run uh the next story here gamescom uh we had opening night live and then they had a bunch of other uh they had like their show floor and xbox did like a six hour show where they focused on some games and um i the the opening night live i live streamed it um i regret that um i mean they showed a couple interesting things but overall i mean it was an hour too long and it just wasn't good and like my hot take on it was that like Jeff Keighley like really has to stop talking shit about E3. <laughs> um, basically, every chance he gets, he throws shade at them. And it, it's probably very well deserved. Um, it sounds like that 2020 E3 when he finally pulled out, it was after I think uh, the ESA who does E3 like leaked like everyone's credentials and like home addresses and phone numbers and stuff. Um, the ESA sucks, right? The ESA is not good. Um, E3 hasn't been what it, you know, what people remember it as for a long time. Um, and it sounds like Keeley was, you know, in the process of collaborating with them, like he does. Uh, and then something just didn't go right. Something was going on that he didn't like. Uh, and he ended up splitting with them unknowingly in the same year that, uh, COVID uh, hit the United States and they ended up canceling the show that he dropped out of anyways. Uh, and there was a bunch of awkwardness and I don't want to necessarily say bad blood, but from things that he's been saying more recently, it seems like there, it was bad blood and that there is bad blood. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that he needs to maybe chill with some of the insults to, to E3. I didn't really think that E3 last year was that bad. The digital one they did. Um, I thought it was, I enjoyed the pacing of it much more than what he's done so far. The video game awards are, are pretty good, but they're drawn out. Um, but he does typically have some pretty big wow moments during that, including for me, uh, you know, the Mass Effect uh, teaser back, you know, a few years ago now. Um, but, you know, shows like the Summer Game Fest, which I thought was pretty average and definitely drawn out and felt too long. And then you have this opening night live. He, I don't think he's really in a position to like dog on E3 anymore because he's not putting out a better product. In my opinion, I'm glad his product exists. I'm glad he does the shows he does and he's doing the things he's doing because, um, but I also hope that E3 comes back because I want them to compete. Um, you know, competition is good for the most part. Um, you know, when, when there's only one, when there's only one, show in the town you know it doesn't have to get better it's the only show and um 
I, I hope that they can both find success because I, I think, you know, ESA and E3 had all of its issues, but, you know, Jeff really does, you know, seem to have a, a weird habit of, you know, kind of prioritizing like clout and, you know, you know, it being the, the Jeff Keeley show and like, look how awesome this all is um, over like, uh, you know, uh, other things. Um, so I thought the show was pretty mediocre. Um, I really don't think the opening night live needs to be like a big thing. Um, Gamescom has never been known for big drops of information. Um, I, someone pointed out, I think that literally the last like a big quote unquote game that was announced at, at Gamescom was Biomutant like six years ago. And then that ended up being a kind of a mediocre game as well after it took forever to develop. So I, I really think that he hits a good rhythm with like a summer game fest in the summer around like E3 time in like June. And then he does the video game awards in December. And that's a good six month window that gives like developers and stuff like that time to like breathe because like this show here, like there was never going to be anything big here on top of COVID on top of a bunch of other stuff. You know, it's only been a few months since you know, this summer game fest, which was okay. And then it's only a few months until the VGAs and the VGAs are the show everyone wants to be on. So that's the show that's going to have everything huge. And when you try to do three shows in six months, I just don't think you're going to have a lot of material to work with. And and it seemed apparent that they didn't, um, you know, dead Island two shouldn't be the highlight of your show. Um, so there's my rant on that. Um, as for the actual show, the games that were shown, uh, I mean, it was fine. Um, they keep showing close to protocol. I'm telling you, the more I see that game, the less I'm excited about it. That's a game that really should maybe pull back a little bit and stop showing us stuff. We know it's like a dead space remake. That's fine. We know that they're trying to do some stuff differently. That's cool. But like they showed footage. We we'd basically already seen and it, you know, of, of your character, fighting a bunch of these monsters in this room that was designed to kill everything that touches it. Um, and that was okay. It, it looked fine, but if not a little clunky, um, and then they were like, Oh, and then we have this brand new footage and that brand new footage was like a tomb Raider reboot style, like two minute water slide. He was sliding down some like sewer tubes and sliding back and forth to miss these pillars and other obstacles. And I was just like, this is bad. Like, this is awful. I don't want to see this. Like, this should have been like 30 seconds and not multiple minutes of me watching this. Um, it, it just kind of makes me remember that this isn't probably like going to be like a big AAA game experience. It's probably going to be something much smaller. And while there's nothing wrong with that, um, I, I think that people are expecting a new Dead Space game. And I do not think that's what it's going to be. So... Um, otherwise that, you know, they showed a bunch of stuff. I'm sure people were interested in different things. I was kind of whatever on it. Um, as for the actual game show itself, um, it's worth knowing that Gamescom is a big, like they boast about how they, you know, they have like insane, like, like a quarter billion people or something show up to this thing. Um, I don't know if it's that many, but it's a lot of people show up to Gamescom and it's a very like customer centric show where it's, it's, you know, they, they have a lot of booths and in places the demo and, and things like that where it's not really meant to be this big like here's a ton of new information it's gamescom is almost always here's more information about stuff we've already talked about which is fine 
Um, and then Xbox did their own thing there. It was this big six hour stream where they basically went deep into a bunch of games we know about. Um, I don't think any of it was like mind blowing. Um, I just, you know, it, it was from what I saw, it was fine. So there, there was nothing really notable. So Gamescom, I don't think it really needs to be super focused on. Like it seems like it was this year, mostly because of Jeff Keighley. Um, it's kind of like how PAX West is here in like a week or two and no one's talking about it because no news is going to get broken at PAX West. It's going to be a cool consumer show. There may be some new updates on things we already know about and that's it. And that's fine. Um, and we'll probably need to wait until, you know, probably until December to get any big crazy announcements. All right. Uh, speaking of crazy announcements, uh, Sony announced that the PlayStation five was going to get what amounted to a 10% price hike basically everywhere in the world besides the USA. Um, so this was a pretty big story this week. Um, and it has a lot of facets to it. So Sony wrote this blog. Sony's just so awful with communication. They, you know, they make some great games. Um, even though I think that they're a little bit samey, they're obviously like legendary, uh, 10 out of 10 games, God of war, last of us, you know, all these games. Um, but man, they suck at like, interacting with humans and and this was a big one so they had this big article that was like we know things are tough out there and they're tough for us too so we're going to raise the price of our box 50 bucks uh but not in the united states we promise and the conversation about that has been really interesting because there's been people like saying like well the dollar is very strong it's like that ain't why it's because they know the united states and its customers there are the loudest and if they raise that thing 50 bucks here, they're, everyone's going to lose their freaking mind where I'm sure there's people who are upset in the other territories, but it's just, you know, they just probably don't have the same reach as the United States market does. And um, there is an argument to be made that even if they raised it 50 bucks in the United States, it wouldn't matter because you still can't buy them anyways. Um, but there's definitely a lot of pushback from people I've been seeing being like, they probably don't have to do this. They probably just know that people are going to buy it either way that, you know, especially in the United States, they're so rare that I'm, I think that they will raise the price in the United States. Eventually my guess is that they were sending that out to kind of prep people. They're probably going to announce in September. There's probably gonna be a bunch of game announcements like, Hey, we're so excited to bring you these games. Cause right now the only big game for PlayStation that we know about that's coming is the next God of war Ragnarok here, you know, later in the year. Um, obviously I'm sure there's a bunch more games coming than that, you know, especially next year, but that's all we know about. And so my guess is they're going to soften everyone up with a bunch of game announcements and talking about the VR thing, even though I don't think that's really as popular as people pretend it is, but it's still an option from a console, which is a good thing. Um, and then I think later on this year, they're going to sneak out a little like, man, things are sure, sure still tough. I think we have to raise it in the United States too. And that's just the way it's going to be. Another part of the story is that Xbox and Nintendo have already come out and said, "Now yeah, we're not raising our prices and they shouldn't one Nintendo can do whatever they want. Like they're just, they're going to win the console war with dated underpowered hardware with games that are just sequels. And it's because they just, they, they, they have an audience that doesn't care and good for them. And Xbox, this is too perfect of a way to step up and be like, okay, 
Um, cause how much is the series S it's like 300 bucks. Uh, the series X is 500. The series S sounds like you can get it pretty easily. The series X seems like it's still fairly challenging to get one, but they are out there. And so, you know, it's going to come Christmas time. Um, and maybe not in the United States, but in, in these other territories. And if people walk into a store, there's a pretty good chance that only the series S will be on the shelf, but say magically all three of them are on the shelf. Well, someone's going to look at the, the, the Sony product for 550, and then they're going to look at the uh, Microsoft product for 500 or 300. And then they're going to see that game pass sticker that says pay $1 for the next three months and get every, all of these hundreds of games, um, where PlayStation is starting to c- compete in that situation, but not really. And, um, I don't think it's, this is going to be like Xbox wins the generation. Obviously not. Um, but I, like I've said, I think even as, as recently as last week where in the last gen, you know, Sony like almost like tripled up Xbox and the PS4 versus Xbox one sales. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that big this time. I, I think just because of install base, uh, Sony will still sell more consoles than Xbox and probably by a pretty good margin, but instead of being like more than twice as many, it wouldn't surprise me if they only sell like 25% more or maybe like 50% more, um, which is still a quote unquote win for Sony, I guess. Um, but it, I definitely think that with the way that Xbox has been handling itself and doing the things it does, I, I just think that they are almost best off just shutting up and going and just not talking about it, not, you know, being too silly about it with this Activision thing going on. Uh, they've, they've been like playing the extra good guy more recently. Um, and I, and I think that like Sony's going to be fine. Like, you know, Sony fans won't really care that much. It's more, uh, probably the majority of the sales though, that are going to be people like looking at it being like, well, why is that one 50 bucks more? Especially when this other one has all of these perks that are great. Um, and, and I really think that people overestimate how much it matters that, that PlayStation has like the last of us and God of war and has these like really great games because a lot of the sales, especially around holidays are for, are for people who aren't going to play those games. People forget that like the majority of gamers by a, a fairly certain, a pretty significant margin buy multiply games. And what that means is that it's whatever platform is cheapest is what they're going to do. Um, and that's why a lot of those people are going to like cell phones and streaming. Um, but the ones who still want a console, the kids and stuff like that, um, they're going to go for what's cheapest. So it's going to be the Series S or maybe the X. And while the hardcore gamers are still going to be buying PS5s uh, and probably Series Xs as well, I think that that biggest part of the uh, consumer base is still going to be you know very price conscious. And it very well may mean that while I don't think Xbox is going to sell more consoles than Sony, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the race is going to be way closer than last time, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we got a little bit of Dragon Age Dreadwolf news this week. Um, Corinne Bush or Boucher, I actually don't know how to say her name, 
um, stated on Twitter that there's more news coming about the game later this year, um, which tracks with what we've been hearing rumor wise. It's uh, Jeff Grubb spoke pretty extensively uh, for a while about how it's expected that Dragon Age will release in, I think it was um, sometime in 2023, probably late 2023 in the fall or winter. And, um, and that, that makes sense. Uh, by the end of this year, I would say that, you know, around 12 months before the game is supposed to come out, they'll start a pretty heavy media push. And uh, that would make sense if we're going to get a big info dump later this year. Because I don't believe we've seen a single millisecond of gameplay of this yet. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it because Inquisition, the last game, was heralded pretty well. That was also the first game on Snowdrop, uh, the or uh, Frostbite, the uh, the dice engine that EA uses for everything, and um, it was received very well back when it came out. And then Andromeda and Anthem came out, which were not received very well. And I'm really curious to how Bioware has learned lessons from that. Um, it must seem like they don't want to keep learning those lessons because the rumors are is that the next Mass Effect game will be on Unreal Engine 5, but we'll see. That has not been confirmed. And um, you also have to consider that EA in general has gotten so much more experience since 2017-18 um, with you know transferring the Madden titles and, and FIFA and stuff like that to Frostbite as well. And so there's probably a much larger... You know, learning base or user base on that engine than there used to be. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. So I'm excited to see something from Dreadwolf. Dragon Age isn't really my thing, um, but I am excited to just see anything from Bioware. Um, and while I don't think people should take too much of it and apply it to like what the next Mass Effect will be like, because it sounds like there's so many differences that will be coming, it's still worth considering. Uh, then the last story um, here is uh, Saudi Arabia approved uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. So this is the first approval that they've gotten from um, like a, like a, some kind of board, like a, I think it's like the FCC or something like that in the United States. Well, it's the first equivalent to that um, approval that they've gotten anywhere. So Saudi Arabia's first. We've been seeing the very public, uh, you know, process down in Brazil that's brought up a bunch of really kind of almost awkward situations uh, and revelations about uh, Sony and Microsoft and uh, Blizzard and Activision and all this stuff. Um, so th this this deal is moving along. I think that it will be closed by the end of this year. I do think it will be approved, um, and 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 we'll go from there. Uh, Phil Spencer's been preaching a lot lately about you know you know wanting games to be on more platforms and stuff like that. Uh, they're they're kind of doing the whole media thing right now to try and make it clear that games like. Uh, Call of Duty and stuff will not be held off of like the PlayStation and other platforms. Uh, I think that they're doing that because they feel like that highly increases the chances of this uh, kind of getting through, maybe lubing it up a little bit so it can slide on through. Um, and, and yeah, so movement on that front. I do have a question though. Are you enjoying this show and my other content? Uh, if you are, then please consider becoming a supporter over at patreon.com slash bondiesel 
or over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash bondiesel. Uh, you can subscribe over there or become a supporter on Patreon. If you're over on Twitch, you can also use your Twitch Prime for a free sub every month. That money will help me out a lot by getting me new gear, like a new camera and some other stuff I want to do in this room, as well as potentially getting me to E3 next year, which I would really love to cover in person. Okay, so for the uh, the Division and Mass Effect part of the show this week, for the Division, um, some PTS reactions. I'm going to be straight up. I did not play the PTS. There's not really anything they're introducing in it that I care to test or, or look at, really. I would rather just wait. Um, like Legendary missions, new gear and weapons, um, some changes to like count down the, the mode and stuff. Um, it seems like overall it's being reacted to pretty well. People seem to think that some of the new gear and talents and stuff is interesting. Um, to be totally honest, I haven't seen people talking about it a ton. Um, but what I've seen has been like mostly positive. So um, that's cool. I, I think that it kind of reminds me of why uh, I'm glad that I probably didn't really bother with this one i suspect the season 11 the pts i'll be very interested in but for now i'm kind of just waiting for season 10 which is what this pts is for um and i'm kind of just excited to play through the story parts of it and maybe check out some of the new stuff but none of the new stuff is like mind-blowing um i probably do need to finally get on my legendary missions i have to admit i've never done those uh, so I do need to eventually do that because if I'm going to, you know, talk about PVE as much and how bad PVP is, I should probably at least have completed most of the PVE activities. Uh, speaking of PVP, there's been a lot of discussion about that going on. People knowing ahead of time that the season 11, not this upcoming patch, but the next big one at the end of the year is going to include supposedly a bunch of PVP balancing and updates um so there uh, there's an etf or an elite task force which is a program that the division does to bring in players and basically get ideas from them bounce off things that they're you know thinking about doing or are doing and um it, it's it's been i think a mixed result in the past um, i think that they've had a really bad problem of bringing people into that program who only care about the game for themselves and their content and not necessarily how uh, the health of the game overall for the entire community. Uh, and, and so this time they're gonna do a PVP specific ETF and a PVE specific group separately. And I think um, that is probably okay, but it really kind of depends on who, it's, who it is. And at the end of the day, I don't think that anyone, like any, it's gonna like be, oh, this is, you know, this group fixed everything. I think it's gonna be incremental change. And I've said it a thousand times, I'm going to say it again. Um, this genre just really struggles to provide satisfying PVP. Um, the very best game uh, in, in the genre also has arguably the best PVP in Destiny. And even then, it seems like it's like a tolerated thing or a thing that people enjoy, but they know it's not really that good. It's like kind of unbalanced and, you know, just has a lot of issues. So i i give them credit for um you know that they're at least trying which i think is really important uh you know they're at least outreaching to that community uh there was a funny thread that one of the developers posted and was like uh these are the kind of conversations that we need to be having about pvp and when i opened it up it was just like a wall of people who have blocked me 
the, the PVP people in the division community, uh, community for the most part, don't like me um, mostly, or at least partially because of how I've been maybe a little dismissive of it. Um, but also because um, I, I don't think that that group for the most part enjoys someone pointing out that, you know, they're kind of barking up a tree that doesn't exist. Or no, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a jerk. Anyways, uh, the last bit about the division is Resurgence is doing a bunch of marketing. That's the mobile game that's coming out where I kind of thought that this mobile experience was going to be like a battle royale or something. They're really putting it off like this Resurgence thing is going to be like basically the big DLC for Division 1 that we never got. Um, uh which is interesting. I don't think I'm going to be interested in it. I don't care about mobile games. Um, even though this one is like in my kind of, you know, a game a series I enjoy, I do plan on, I'm at least going to try it and I hope I can get into it. I don't expect to. So, um, but there, I think they're marketing it. Well, I mean, we're hearing more about resurgence than heartland, uh, or whatever that's going to be. Um, I still have my theories that heartland is, uh, maybe not going to happen, um, which would be a bummer, but I, I think that it's kind of hard to interpret the lack of communication about that game as anything, but that it's at least in trouble. Um, so I don't know. I'll have to wait for NDAs to expire one day before I can, I think, fully speak about that situation, uh, but, but that's fine. So um, I guess I should be very clear. Nothing I know is indicating what I think is going to happen because as much as I can say, which isn't really anything, I literally have no idea. I have no clue, no idea. Like, like someone could like torture me and be like, break your NDA. And I would literally have to be like, I have nothing interesting for you. I'm sorry <laughs> because anything I could say has been leaked by other people. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and then the Mass Effect section here, nothing super huge. I did at least want to touch on like what would the Amazon acquisition have meant when I started this script. This was before the story got debunked. Uh, so I figured I would still talk about this. That would be interesting um, uh, because there is the fear that Amazon would like buy their new toy, see if it works. And if it doesn't, then they would just ditch it, which could mean a lot of trouble for all of EA studios and all of their IP. Um there's already the rumors that Amazon is making a show uh, about Mass Effect. Uh, there's been no nothing really concrete other than that general idea. There was the whole thing with Henry Cavill, like holding a script in a picture he took that was very clearly a script for a Mass Effect property of some type. Um, but people also need to realize that like that kind of stuff happens all the time. I bet there's been a hundred scripts written or more for mass effect properties tv shows movies whatever um so i would love for henry cavill to be in a mass effect property i think he would be a perfect shepherd um i also think he's a big hunk of man uh so maybe that's part of it too but um i i think that maybe that would have increased that likelihood um like i said before if amazon wants to play sugar daddy to EA and just wants to say, Hey, if, if there's studios that you haven't let expand because you don't want to invest the money, here's the money. If there's projects you want to do that, you are really confident 
can work, but you haven't, you're not willing to take the risk. Here's the money. If that's the role Amazon would take, which is if they get into that, like if they buy a publisher and a bunch of devs, that's what they should do because they're a bottomless pit of money. And, you know, they aren't going to like bring any insight to EA on how to make games. They have no, they don't know how to make games, but they do have lots and lots of money and what a very storied and and experienced publisher like EA has is experience, whether it's good or bad and has knowledge, whether it's useful or not. And typically one of the biggest things that can loosen up those gears is a whole bunch of money to do what they want because a studio like Bioware is really known for, and I've heard multiple people talk about it, that they just basically aren't allowed to hire enough devs to like develop even one game at a time appropriately let alone two like the big story right now is that mass effect isn't going to begin full production until dreadwolf comes out and then probably a little time after that so say dreadwolf comes out like next october well they're probably not really going to ramp up production on mass effect until 2024 right I I don't know necessarily that they'll give them a break the rest of the year, but they'll need to spend some time fixing Dreadwolf if there's bugs and things like that. And maybe probably doing DLC, even though that would be a smaller team than the full development team still. Um, so, so yeah, so the Amazon acquisition of EA, what do I think it would have meant for Mass Effect? Probably not a lot. Best case scenario, uh, you know, a bigger team faster to start the game sooner. Um, worst case scenario, it would get shut off, shut down. <laughs> so, so there's that, uh, on the merchandise front, uh, there's a new Thane statue. If you like Thane, I personally actually am very annoyed by Thane. I am not a big fan of, of him for some reason. I can't really put my finger on it, uh, but the statue does look great. Um, it's pretty limited as well. Um, if you want to look it down in the description of this video or podcast, there should be a 20% discount code. Um, and if there isn't, uh, you can message me and I can get you one for the Bioware gear store over on the dark horse website. There's also this $300 Reaper statue. Um, it's relatively large. Uh, it's a, it's, um, it's a statue of, oh, I always forget sovereign on Eden prime in the, from the first game, like landed with like the burnt out, like area underneath them and all the buildings of Eden prime. Uh, and it's, it's, it looks amazing. I just can't justify $300. So, uh, so yeah, there's some new merch. If you want to get into that, uh, I did run a poll just asking people in general, which, which mass effect is your favorite one, two, three or Andromeda. Um, I believe two um, is winning by a pretty good margin. Um, and I believe three is in second with one in uh, third and then Andromeda in fourth. Um, my favorite Mass Effect is three. Um, two, I, I understand why people like it so much. Um, and I appreciate that it kind of lets you play it at your own pace where there's like an extreme sense of urgency, especially in three, but also in one to a point. And then one especially has a lot of its issues with just, it's an old game. And even in the legendary edition, it's got a bunch of really old game design things uh, where two and three, especially three feel much more modern um, and feel much more um, like just, they, they don't feel quite as like <sighs> fillery where one does to me, um, even though I like a lot of one, um, my favorites probably goes 
probably three, one, two, and then Andromeda. Andromeda is like pretty far back from two. Um, but I don't hate Andromeda, but it was interesting seeing that poll. Um, I think a lot more people like three than people think. Um, two to me just, it's just, I, like, I don't like the suicide mission. I think the suicide mission is whatever. I think, I think it's kind of boring after you've done it once. The first time is amazing. But after that, once you know how it works, I think it kind of ruins the magic. Here's my hot take. I think the arrival DLC, if you play it at the proper time, which is at the very end of the game, the last thing you do, I think the arrival DLC is better than the suicide mission. So, so there's my hot take for the week. Okay. Listener questions. Uh, this is where I take uh, questions from our discord, uh, which you can find the link to down in the description below or whatever. Uh, it's new stories, topics, or questions that people ask or, or ask me to talk about master prime with two questions this week. Uh, the first one being thoughts on the push to make video game movies and TV shows. Um, I think it's just natural. Um, what I think the big driver behind it is there's always like been some interest in it. Uh, it's mostly sucked in the, in the past and it's getting better um, with properties like the, the Witcher on Netflix, even though technically the Witcher is based off of the books and not the games. It's all kind of in the same boat, right? Um, things like, uh, what's like the league of legends. They, they did that one. I think that was on Netflix, the animated show, which is really good. Even though I'm not really into that at all. It's very good. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing this get bigger and I think it's because, uh, the movie and TV industry woke up one morning and was like, wait, what, you know, video games obliterate us when it comes to sales, like when it comes to income and stuff like that. And I think they realized like, oh, we should probably get on that. We should probably get in that bag and start doing it. So I suspect there's been a lot of push and pull from the, both the video game side of publishers and stuff like that and movie and TV studios and like Netflix and Hulu and, and all these, um, all these media outlets who are just desperate for content because, uh, you know, as everyone switched over the streaming, everyone, you know, no one we're not in the days anymore where you have to wait until six o'clock on a Tuesday to watch your favorite show. You find the right app and, and you get the subscription and you want it. And if you don't have it, you're going to cancel that subscription. So there's just like this huge content drought on the media and T like on the, on the TV and um, movie side where they're just, and that's why you see so much crap TV and movies right now, because they're just giving money to anyone who can make something. And obviously they're investing more in certain people and certain properties and stuff that tend to do better, but like, you know, they're just, so there's this obvious thing of like, wow, the video games make so much money. There's so many people playing those. We should make movies and TV shows about those because that will fill our content, you know, drought and it has a built in fan base. So like a mass effect show would be a big deal because there'd be millions of people who are interested in that. And if it's good, they'll watch it and they'll pay the subscription for it. The division movie, if it ever happens, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are already excited about that. So you don't have to like sell people on a new thing. Plus all of the people you can pull into it. Um, just from a story point of view, who just like movies or TV shows. Uh, so, you know, it's, I, so I think that's why, and, and, and I don't, I think it's fine. Um, 
I hope we continue to see like more Sonics and fewer Assassin's Creeds when it comes to movies and media in general. Um, you know, like successes versus bad things. I don't really care about Sonic or Assassin's Creed, but yeah. So I, I think it's cool. Um, and I think that it will only uh, expand uh, the video gaming space more. Uh, the second question from Master Prime was, if game companies switch to a focus on the cloud, would you still choose hardware or would you go for the cloud? I think being a Luddite, um, being kind of an old school, uh, I'm only 34, but in the gaming space, that makes me ancient in some people's eyes. Um, I, I will always want hardware um, because I, I used to work briefly i was about to say in the telecom industry i worked in the cell phone industry for a couple years um for corporate verizon and um that technology is just like it's come so far but it's still so far away from being like good enough to to like really be better than hardware um and so i don't think i would ever switch over but here's the thing any companies like whether it's Xbox or whoever, who's going after the cloud and the streaming stuff aren't targeting me. They're targeting people like my kid who's three. They're going to be that that's, they're going to be their customer base because that's, who's going to have a tablet or a phone way earlier than I did with way more capability than any phone I ever had when I was young. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone until I was late in high school and it was a, like a Nokia basically. It was an even cheaper one. And so like the streaming and all that isn't for me. And and I think as long as there's enough of me's around, there will still be hardware. I, I think, like I said last week, is I believe that Xbox is going to continue making hardware. Um essentially kind of like releasing like a new PC every four or five years uh, with a new Xbox. It's basically just going to be an upgraded PC that they're selling under the Xbox branding with the simplified UI and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think that, you know, hardware will still have a place forever. People still have record players. They still print records, things like that. Like some people will always prefer like the old school way or the hardware way. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see myself ever switching, but I don't think I'm the target for that. So if you have any questions for the show next week, or if there's any stories that pop up or just any general gaming topics, you're curious about what I think uh, of them, uh, jump into my discord. Uh, the links are on in the description of this podcast. They're over on my Twitter. They're literally everywhere. I do stuff. You should be able to find a link to the discord. You can get in there and there's a room in there just for questions and topics. So check it out. Uh, so some content updates and then we're going to wrap this baby up. Uh, so for some content updates, I recorded an interview this week with Kate Hartfield, um, who uh, just wrote the Assassin's Creed book called the Magus conspiracy. We had a really interesting chat. Um, I'm definitely out of my element talking to an author. Um, and if you, if you listen to the podcast, you can probably tell I'm struggling a little bit, um, to, to kind of engage because that's just a world I don't know much about. So I tried to explore it. 
Um, uh, but Kate was really, really, really sweet and um, a really great person to chat with. Um, she's a gamer herself, so that definitely made it easier. Um, she is a fan of Assassin's Creed on its own, and um, uh, it was a really nice chat. It sounds like she's very uh, into the series that she's writing, and uh, it, it, she's not just doing it to do it, which we have a long conversation about. Um, it seems like she's really invested, and I think um, Assassin's Creed fans will be very satisfied with um, with with uh, who she is and, and how invested she is in that series. And uh, from what I've heard, people have said the book is great. So, um, so check out that interview. It should post on Tuesday morning uh, on YouTube and on all podcast providers under the Echo Cast. Um, I am planning on doing a giveaway soon for the 200th episode of the Echo Cast. This is 199, this current one. So next week, uh, the next recording will be 200, uh, which is bonkers. So cool. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Um, right now, the plan is I have like almost $300 in BioWare gear store credit from people using my discount code. Um, so I'm trying to put together like five or six or more things and a big giant gift uh, box. And I'm going to do this all on Twitter. I'm not going to um, do the gleam thing. People seem to hate that. And I kind of hate it, too, because like 95% of the entries I get on there are bots. And um, doing a Twitter giveaway, I can much, much easier filter them out. Uh, so while I can't force people to give me subscriptions on Twitter, on Twitch, uh, people never really did that anyways. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, I want to do that giveaway soon. I'm having an issue using my gift card, my credit. And so there's a chance that I may end up doing that giveaway like at the beginning of October and maybe letting it run until in seven day. So doing kind of like a nice, long, meaty uh, giveaway uh, that will kind of coincide with in seven day, which hopefully we'll get something interesting from this year. Uh, we'll see. My fear with N7 Day for Mass Effect this year is that last year we got that poster, which I think was interesting, and I still don't think we probably know really what it means yet, which is kind of fun. Um, I my, my fear is that around that time is when they're really going to start a media push for Dragon Age Dreadwolf, and Bioware is probably not going to try to take the attention away from the next game they have coming uh, to a game that's probably like three or four years away. So we'll see what they show us. Maybe we'll get a teaser trailer or something. I have no idea. Um, and yeah, so giveaway coming soon. Um, it should be a bunch of really great stuff. And that's where we're going to wrap it up. So please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify or iTunes. If you're on YouTube, please thumbs up this video, subscribe to the channel and leave a comment down below. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch where I stream. I try to stream a couple times a week. Uh, please check out the EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at my Streamlabs link down in the description below. And that is all I have. So until next time. I'm gonna go get some more.